Hey everybody, so here we are for the Just a Little Bit Out West podcast, and we're going to get just definitely a little bit out west. So this week, I wanted to combine a couple of messages. I'm going to bring back two of these messages from the way back, and we're going to start out on the subject of grief. This is something that came up in the last couple of weeks, and I think there's a lot of confusion about all of that. Grief, by definition, is a sense of loss. It's the sense that something isn't as it should be. It's the idea that the universe is supposed to be fair, and for some reason, it hasn't been. But this sense of loss is universal, and people who study the way we think have determined that we all go through several stages. Generally speaking, we all experience a period of denial. We deny to ourselves that this thing has happened. Then we experience anger. And then there's this period of time where we go through where we're trying to bargain with the universe to make it all stop. And then we start to become depressed and we're hopeless that nothing's going to change and it's always going to be like this and this just sucks. And then finally we get to that place where we are able to see this psychic injury in its proper perspective. We learn to accept it, and then we're able to move on. In the exact same way, when you receive a flesh wound or an injury or a body part gets damaged, cut off, or whatever, your body goes into shock. And that's a lot like that sense of denial, that numbness, And then after going into shock, where we want to deny the existence of this wound, then the wound starts to become angry, red, hurting, lashing out. The wound begins to tell you that it needs things. It starts to bargain, and it says it needs TLC, it needs chicken soup, it needs a Band-Aid, it needs mommy to kiss it, or whatever. And then it starts to scab over, and it starts to heal, and eventually the scab falls off, and the wound closes over. Our spiritual, soulish person is the same. It heals in a lot of the same ways. What we have to do is we have to recognize that similarity and we have to let that process complete. For instance, everyone knows that if you take painkillers too long, too much, and you refuse to allow your wound the time that it needs to heal, If you are taking painkillers and then you run back out on the football field and you continually re-injure that same area, then it just makes things much, much, much worse. There is a balance between painkillers and resting and a balance between stretching scar tissue and tearing scar tissue. There's a time when the wound needs to weep and a time when it needs to close over and heal. Emotional pain is exactly the same, and it requires the exact same approach. Perspective heals in the same way that your blood and tissue heal. Perspective allows you to see that life is dangerous. Sometimes it's fatal. It allows us to see also that there is beauty, even in all of this filth. It gives us the ability to resist self-pity and wallowing in sorrow, and yet it also lets us know that there's wisdom in recognizing our limitations. 
PTSD is a common symptom of grief, and it's usually an interruption in the grief process. For many people who go through trauma, they become stunted by their experience, and they're prevented either by the pain or by their own self-will from continuing the process of healing. This is the reason that for some people, the cure for PTSD is to talk about the experience, to let it weep, to let that wound come out and let all that pus come out. Sometimes it's better to just stop picking at the issue and ignore it and move on. Mostly it's best for grief to be recognized for what it is. It's a process. And the sooner we come to peace with that, the sooner we can move on. I had an injury one time when I was in high school. I was on the track team and I had hurt myself, strained a muscle. And every day I was, I don't know what they do now, but back then we had the whirlpool and I'd put it in an icy cold whirlpool for a while and then I'd put it in a scalding hot whirlpool for a while. I was just doing this every day, trying to get better and trying to get better. And it just seemed like it would never get better. It would just never quit. It just always hurt and always was causing problems. And somebody said to me, well, maybe it's time to just ignore it. And in that case, that was the right answer. I stopped paying attention to it. And in a day or so, it just quit. I, I It quit hurting. It quit bothering me. And I learned through that that you can over-focus on a problem, on a physical problem, on an emotional problem. From a scriptural theological point of view. Here's where the problem becomes really destructive, is that this sense of loss, you have to think about this in terms of God is our God, God is our provider, he's our source. And from that perspective, when you begin to see that or feel that your life is missing something, then what you're saying, if you believe that God is your source, is that God has forgotten to do something. And this puts us into that position where Eve was. It's a position of faithlessness. And so instead of going to God and talking to him about the situation and finding out his will and his perspective on things, we focus on what we don't have and we focus on this loss. And we, like Eve, we're then tempted to take matters into our own hand. And this is where it becomes really super dangerous. Grief, that sense of loss... Technically speaking, that's demonic. They they feed on that regret and loss and, and that God's not doing what he's supposed to do. He w They will feed you that all day because that is faithlessness. It is, it is a lack of faith in God. And basically what that does is it opens the door for evil to come in. God works in our life through faith. This is what the scriptures tell us, is that faith is the door. Faith is the shield. Remember when we talked about the armor? Faith is what opens the door to God's will in your life. If you continually push God away by your faithlessness, God's not going to kick that door down to bless you. God blesses you to the extent that you allow him to bless you and protect you and keep you safe. But if you're continually pushing him away, like Eve did, and saying, I, I'd rather take care of myself, I know better than you do, then you're not casting your care, as we talked about in Second Peter 
5, 6, and 7, you're not casting your care on him for he cares for you. You're carrying your care and you're continuing to believe that you know what's best. And we've talked about this now for years. You've got to learn to recognize that your perspective is limited and you can't possibly know all the things that are going on. The thing that you need and want could be right around the very next bend. It could be on the other side of that next door that you're standing in front of. But as long as you're pushing God away, telling him what he's not doing, you are giving power to the devil to continue to steal that blessing from you. The grief that we experience when we lose someone is the same. Yes, it's true. It helps us to know that they're happy in heaven. But it helps even more to see that everybody dies. Life is finite. We're all going to die. And it also helps if we can admit to ourselves that mostly we're not, we're not sad for them. We're sad for us. At the same time, if you believe in forever, then you're not going to be separated forever. And someone who died is just like somebody who moved to another state. When your grandparents went to Florida... You missed them, but you knew you'd see them again someday. If you believe in forever, like I do, then it's never over. It's not over, over. And even if it was, if we see that in its correct perspective, we can be thankful for the time that we had with those people. And life is a continual process of going from experience to experience. And if you dwell too much on the past, obviously, then you can't spend any time being where you are. If you don't believe in God and you don't believe in forever, then that's a really hard place for you. And I feel bad for you. We need to deal with that. Uh, I can't go there with you on that because if there was no forever, I can't really see much point in hanging out here. Life is hard. Life is painful. And if there's no point, then there's no point. But for me, there is a point. There's this place where... I can believe that there is a point to my life, there's a point to your life, that it's not just a random accident. We're not just slime that oozed out of the Pleistocene era. We are actually people created with a purpose and with a creator who cares.
you know, there's this thing that always comes up and people talk about it and think about it. And the Bible says, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And a lot of people, you know, we look around and we see what a crappy place this world is and how badly people treat each other and all of that. And so it doesn't really, it doesn't really work. It, it kind of just creates this sense of confusion in our hearts. And so I wanted to just look at that for a second and see what's really being said here. Okay. So in Luke chapter two, verse 10, it says, and the angel said unto them, this is to the shepherds, you know, out there on the, on the hill, which let's just stop right there. Okay. Shepherds. Why did God send the angels to the shepherds? What you have to understand, these shepherds, they're watching these sheep, but these aren't just sheep. These shepherds, as I understand it anyway, what I've been told, is that these sheep are being gotten ready for Passover. These are the Passover lambs that are being raised and getting ready for sacrifice, which if you've been listening to me for a little while, you understand that Jesus represents, or I should say it the other way around, the Passover lamb represents what Jesus was doing. Jesus came to be the Passover lamb for us. He is the sacrifice that was prepared. He's the spotless lamb who died in order to make us right with God. And that's why this is so wonderful and amazing. Okay, so the angels come and they say, fear not. And that right there is another sermon you could preach. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Great tidings of great joy, not great tidings of, oh, it's going to suck and life is going to be bad and everything's bad because God's here to judge us. It's great joy and all people, not just a few people, not just certain people, not just Jews. And you got to understand, even at this time, most people did not understand what this meant. Because the Jews who received this thought that they were the only ones, just like certain groups still think they're the only ones. Okay, well, we won't go into that too far. So, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, that's what they called Bethlehem, a Savior. Now, we've talked about this over the year, a Savior. A Savior saves. A Savior isn't saying, well, you tough it out. Life's going to suck and hope you make it. A savior saves. You don't you don't say to somebody drowning, "Hey, just swim a little bit harder," right? No, you save them. Okay. Which is Christ. And the word Christ doesn't mean a cuss word. <laughs> the word Christ means the anointed one, the Messiah, the one and the Lord, that's God, the highest king of all. All right. This shall be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. All right. This is such an amazing part of scripture. It so often gets overlooked. This is not peace on earth. This is not peace between me and you. This is not peace between all men. Yes, eventually it's supposed to be that and and it can be that at some point. But this is at, this is specifically saying goodwill toward men. This is peace on earth between God 
and man. You see, Jesus, when he comes and he's the sacrifice and he's the savior, he saves us from the wrath of God. And it's not so much that God is angry with us, it's that as we've discussed many times before, we're not perfect. God is perfect, and perfection cannot exist with unperfection. It's just, it's one of those laws of the universe, like every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Perfection, just by its very nature, that it just completely destroys imperfection. When God cast Adam and Eve out of the garden. He didn't do that because he was upset with them, and he didn't do it just because he didn't like them and, and was punishing them. He was doing that to protect them from his presence. He was doing that to protect them from eating from the tree of life, which would have left them in their condition for the rest of eternity, like, uh, like is what we think probably is happening or has happened or did happen with Lucifer. It's a protection. God has been protecting man since the day after Eve ate the fruit. He's been protecting us from himself. But now, because the sacrifice was here, and even though it was going to be another 33 years before Jesus actually died and actually rose again, God was saying through the angels, to the shepherds, this is your Passover lamb, this is your salvation, he's here, and nothing can stop it now. Nothing is going to stop this in 33 years. It's over. The war between God and man is over. There is no more wrath. There is no more anger. In Isaiah 54, in verse 7, Isaiah says, For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. He's talking about us, but he's also, in, this, in these verses, he's talking about Jesus for a small moment. Now, you'll remember that in 33 years, what's going to happen is, is that Jesus is going to be hung on the cross, and he's going to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Okay, this is what this is talking about. And then God says here through Isaiah in the ninth verse, he says, for this is as the waters of Noah unto me. Okay, what is the waters of Noah? You remember the, the world was flooded and then there was a rainbow. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I will not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness will not depart from you. Neither will the covenant of my peace be removed, says the Lord that has mercy on thee. This is what happened 33 years from tonight. You know what I'm talking about. And when Jesus was born, this is what he's talking about. He's saying, because there's peace on earth and goodwill toward men, I won't be angry with you anymore. I'm not here to be upset with you. I'm not here to have wrath with you. I'm not here to rebuke you. My kindness will not leave you. My covenant of my peace is here and you can't get rid of it. The only way you can not get the covenant of peace is to refuse it to say, no, I don't want it. I don't want to have peace between me and God. I'm mad at God and I don't care. I'm, I'm just going to be mad at God. But he's not mad at you. Okay, let's go back to uh, the 14th verse of Luke, second chapter. Remember, it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Okay, that word peace in Greek, it means by implication, it says, prosperity, peace, quietness, rest. Okay, we've talked about this um, in the last few weeks about what is 
good. What does good mean? This is this is peace. So peace, good things, prosperity, and goodwill, which means in in the Greek it means satisfaction, delight, kindness, peace, and goodwill, goodness, prosperity, life. It's it's hard to put it into words. This is everything good. God has given us good toward men and then the word men just means a human being okay this is this is god at peace with men this is such an amazing wonderful day that we remember obviously nobody knows for sure there's some people who say that they know for sure and that's 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 cool but what we know from scripture is that the day that we're celebrating whether it's the exact day or not doesn't really matter but the day we're celebrating is the day that the angels came and said, the Messiah has come and the peace treaty is is here. And God has made a way for you to be in fellowship and relationship with him. Okay. Merry Christmas to everybody. We will see you next time on the Just a Little Bit Out West podcast with me, your host, Old Smith. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.